This is Morning Edition on NHPR. I'm Rick Ganley, and this is the New Hampshire News Recap. A snowstorm swept through New Hampshire last weekend, dumping about a foot of snow in some parts of the state. And then heavy rain and wind came through Tuesday, flooding the seacoast. New Hampshire Bulletin's Hadley Barndollar and the Boston Globe's Amanda Gokey join me now to talk about the impact of these storms and how winters are changing here in the Granite State. Good morning to you both. Good morning. Good morning, Rick. Good to have you both here. Thank you. First, Hallie, let's start with you. Can you tell tell us more about the damage brought on by Tuesday's storm? I know some people had to evacuate homes in Hampton. Yeah, so just days after much of the state experienced its its real its real first significant snowstorm of the winter, this week saw 50 degree temperatures, heavy rainfall, strong winds, and flooding emergencies, um, especially along the coast. Um, police in Hampton on Wednesday actually declared an emergency because of extremely high seas and flooding, and actually opened a shelter that day for flooding victims. Um, the famous Ocean Boulevard and many streets around it were entirely flooded and. All access roads to the beach were temporarily closed. Um, some news outlets reported residents saying this was some of the worst they'd seen in terms of storm surge. And another storm is supposed to bring similar rain and wind to the state this weekend. Yeah, we're expecting some some heavier weather later tonight into tomorrow morning, so we could see some more of that coastal flooding. Uh, you know, a study published this week found that climate change is directly linked to the, the sharp decline in snowpack here in New Hampshire in the past few decades. Amanda, can you tell us more about that study? Yeah, that's right. So so researchers at Dartmouth looked at data from the past 40 years, starting in 1981, and they were able to say that the declines that they've seen in snowpack over that time period are caused by human-driven climate change. And that's actually the first time they're able to definitively say that. They were they found that there was an especially sharp decline in the Northeast. And specifically, they looked at watersheds like the Merrimack River and the Connecticut River, and they found that both had lost around 40 percent of their snowpack in the last four decades. The Northeast has seen such a rapid loss because we're at what they call a snow loss cliff. So basically, they explained that that happens when the winter temperatures average around 17 degrees. And after you get over that cliff, the loss of snow starts getting more and more rapid. And that's because imagine at a colder temperature, you have more of a margin of error. If there's a fluctuation of a few degrees, it doesn't have much of a noticeable impact on snow. But once you reach that 17 degree mark, a few degrees makes a big difference in whether we are seeing our snow melting or getting washed away like we saw in the the storms this past week. Yeah. Amanda, what are some of those consequences, though, of having less snow and, and more rain in winters? Yeah. So on a global scale, the researchers were really focused on looking at water security. So think about places like in the western United States where when you have less snowpack, it has a really direct impact on water security and water supply. They said their study shows that, you know, hundreds of millions of people could be at risk when it comes to water security because of these declines that they're documenting. It can affect drinking water in New Hampshire as well, but in a different way. Many people in New Hampshire use groundwater wells, which are impacted um, by groundwater recharge. And so there's a difference between if that's getting refilled from snow versus rain. There's obvious impacts, of course, to the winter tourism industry. Think about sports like skiing or snowshoeing that just depend on snow. And, you know, that's obviously not just tourism. It's an identity thing for the state of New Hampshire and and what people here love to do and how they like to spend their their time. Absolutely. So climate change is certainly the driving factor for the state's warming winters. But what about uh, the effect of El Nino, Hadley? How is the, the weather pattern having an impact on New Hampshire this year? 
Yeah, so I just published a story this week about how the effects of climate change and the weather pattern called El Nino are colliding this year for a scenario of elevated warming. Um, for folks who may not be aware, aware, El Nino and La Nina are two opposing natural climate phenomena that tend to break from normal conditions. And the two contradicting patterns can impact everything from seasonal rains in Africa to monsoons in Asia to our winters here in New England. Um, so this is our first El Nino winter in four years. And climate experts I spoke with said El Nino tends to mean warmer and wetter for specifically northern New England. Um, and that's combining with the warming we're also seeing as a result of general climate change. Um, for example, according to Climate Central, the month of December in the city of Concord experienced temperatures 6.8 degrees higher than normal. And the 6.93 inches of precipitation that fell was 180 187% of the normal amount. And, you know, we just talked about the consequences of these kinds of winters in the long term. But how is how is it affecting Granite Staters right now, Hadley? Experts say the impacts will continue to be wide ranging and grow. But one we're hearing about often now is the way warming winters, as Amanda alluded to, are impacting the state's uh, ski resorts. They're having to invest millions in their snowmaking technology and equipment in order to stay viable, as well as weatherproofing their operations because they have less certainty of what winter holds each year. Um, after the major December rainstorm that we saw, Waterville Valley, Wildcat Mountain and Loon Mountain all had to close in some capacity to recover. And of course, they had to close on, on a vacation week, which is, you know, very, very hard on their business. I want to turn to Littleton now. The town manager in that town resigned this week, and it's the latest turn in a debate over public art and censorship that's been taking place in Littleton. Amanda, how did this debate begin? So this all started back in August. There was a select board meeting, and one of the members of the select board, who is also a state senator named Carrie Gendro, said she was opposed to some of the art going up in town on private buildings. She was talking about three paintings that were sponsored by a pro-LGBTQ group, and they, ha they do have a pro-LGBTQ message. In an interview, she later said that her religious beliefs inform her belief that, that gay people are a, quote, abomination. And obviously that sparked a lot of worry and outcry in town about both the issue of public art and LGBTQ inclusion and representation. Things escalated further after a theater group realized that its relationship with the town was on shaky ground. The theater was working on a production at that point of La Cage au Fall, which is about a gay couple. Uh, some residents opposed that play and those at the theater started getting concerned about uh, the possibility of censorship. So tensions in the town have just really kept escalating as people have been calling on the board to make a statement, support LGBTQ residents and artwork. But the select people have mostly been quiet about how they were going to address this issue. Yeah. And then Jim, Jim Gleason announced his resignation Monday at the town select board meeting. He described this as a very personal decision. What, what was what was he having to say? Yeah. So Jim Gleason is the town manager and he's really been in a difficult position since this debate started. He's been you know, obviously responsible for working with the select board, also fielding concerns from residents. And when he stepped down, he said it was just because this controversy has taken a really personal and professional toll on him, and he didn't feel that he could continue to work for the town any longer. He said he was hurt by the anti-LGBTQ comments and that this issue became personal. So his late son, Patrick, was gay and died about seven years ago from cancer. Um, he said that Senator Gendro's comments were hurtful to him and that she never apologized and used what he called derogatory language. 
He also said the situation created a toxic work environment, and he gave one example of a resident who took some of their frustrations out on him Mm -hmm. and even made offensive comments about his son. What have you been hearing from other Littleton residents following that meeting Monday? People are reeling in in Littleton right now, especially in the wake of that meeting. They're kind of trying to take a deep breath and figure out what comes next, but it's not totally clear. The residents I spoke with said that they were just shocked and and very saddened after the meeting. I spoke to Dwayne Kaut. He's a leader in the business community there, and he said he was really shocked and dismayed by the meeting. He Mm -hmm. was hoping it would be an opportunity for the town to reach some sort of resolution over this issue, and he hoped to see the board apologize, take some responsibility, and just let the town move on. But that hasn't happened. Some other news this week. Hadley, you reported that the company behind the Seabrook nuclear power plant is proposing changes to its emergency response plan. Some local advocates and lawmakers are pushing back. What are their concerns? So NextEra Energy is the owner of Seabrook Station, as well as three other nuclear plants in Florida and Wisconsin. And the company is proposing to consolidate and standardize emergency planning by implementing a hybrid program of sorts that would include a remote facility in Juneau, Florida. Um, Next Era currently has an application in front of the Nuclear Regulatory Commission, and federal lawmakers in both New Hampshire and Massachusetts have raised concerns about what the changes could mean for response times, local full-time staff, and the safety of the communities within 10 miles of the plant. So what's Next Era saying about these changes? So NextEra told me that the proposed plan does not change the number of full-time employees at Seabrook Station, nor does it move emergency response roles out of state. They emphasize that the hybrid program would allow staff at other locations to supplement the local response and ultimately resulting in a larger pool of specialists available for a variety of scenarios. And I imagine some local residents have some things to say about that. How, How are they weighing in on the plan? Well, interestingly enough, as of right now, New Hampshire's federal delegation is urging the Nuclear Regulatory Commission and NextEra to hold public meetings in the state ahead of a decision on the application. Um, So as of right now, public meetings have not been held here in the Granite State. Well, we're less than two weeks away now from the New Hampshire primary. Chris Christie dropped out of the race, the Republican nomination Wednesday, and a write-in campaign for President Joe Biden is ramping up. Now, he won't be on the ballot officially, but state Democrats are hoping you'll still give him your vote. Um, I want to ask what what you're keeping an eye on as we head into the final stretch of the primary. Sure. I'm happy to start Amanda, yeah. So go ahead. So, you know, we have a story coming out uh, soon about just interviews that we've done with young voters. And it's been really interesting to hear what they're looking for and just how disillusioned, I would say, they are with the the choices and the possibility of, you know, likely possibility of a rematch between President Joe Biden and former President Donald Trump. Those are not options that they are excited about voting for. And so they're really concerned about apathy among young voters. I am personally extremely curious to see how Nikki Haley does, especially after Christie announced that he's dropping out. How much is she going to benefit from him dropping out? You know, we've seen polls suggesting that she could receive two thirds of the the voters who said that they would vote for Christie. Um, And the young Republicans that I spoke with in my reporting were excited about Haley as an alternative to Trump. And, you know, I also heard from young Democratic voters who said they are going to vote in the Republican primary because they want to stop Trump. 
And, and what are what are people saying on the trail? Are you hearing? Are, are people feeling the primary feels different in New Hampshire this time around? I mean, I think the primary definitely feels extremely different. You know, the fact that we have this write-in campaign, um, and Biden hasn't been in the state at all. There's just such a lack of energy on the Democratic side because, in many ways, he feels like a foregone conclusion to voters. Um, you know, the other really interesting wrinkle that we've been following is this drama between the state of New Hampshire. And New Hampshire Democrats and then the national Democrats about the timing of the primary. Obviously, mm-hmm. the you know national Democrats were have decided that New Hampshire won't go first and New Hampshire is is not uh, having any of that. And so I'm so curious to see if there's going to be any more wrinkles with that. It's just been a weird primary and it makes it kind of fun and surprising. So I'm definitely going to be watching to see if there's any more unexpected turns. Yeah, any more surprises. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you so much. Hadley Barndoller is a reporter for the New Hampshire Bulletin. Amanda Goki reports for the Boston Globe. Thank you both for the time. Thank you for having us. Thank you, Rick. You'll find more of their work, by the way, at NewHampshireBulletin.com and BostonGlobe.com slash New Hampshire. Now, next week, the New Hampshire News Recap will be on the road. We'll be broadcasting live from the Tilton Diner. You can join us in Tilton, or you can tune into Morning Edition and listen in, as always, here on NHPR or NHPR.org. I'm Rick Ganley. This is NHPR.